Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. And indeed, we can be better together. And that is the point of the show. I'm Adel Kozilski. Good morning. Good morning. You're listening to the Healthy You, Wealthy You show. And together with me is my pal, Staggy. Good morning. Good morning, Adel. You're smiling very, very nicely for a mother whom I know has not slept <laughs> the entire night. <laughs> I was just saying before, that song was very relevant, Fever. I mean, Michael Bublé knew what I was going through last night. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about fevers. Because believe it or not, fevers are caused by a a reaction from our immune system. And I think it's high time that we actually discuss our immune system. What does autoimmunity do? All the different autoimmune diseases, we know that it played a tremendous role when it came to COVID. And there was a lot of discussion around it. And we felt that there'd be nobody more um, clever to give us this information than the one and only Dr. Kassel, who has got so many years of practice um, behind behind him and is really, really wise. And so we're really excited because after all our travels, we've all been all over the place. Um, We've come back together. Good morning, Dr. Kassel. Welcome to the show. Morning, Adel. Good morning, Peggy. Thanks so much. Good morning, Dr. Kassel. Thank you. The show that I've been contemplating for many weeks, for many months, actually, and trying to fine-tune it that uh, I don't offend anybody, but it's not my aim to do so. Right, so let's let's go for it. Let's let's start educating ourselves, our listeners, um, about the immune system and what does autoimmunity mean? Well, the immune system, my next two presentations probably, because I don't think we'll be able to finish it in one presentation, will center on the workings of the immune system, how the body functions, how it protects the body from mainly infections, what its main constituents are, and how the various components interact with each other to protect our bodies from unwanted intruders from within, and also, strangely enough, unwanted intruders from unwanted intruders from without and unwanted intruders from within. The very interesting field now is the field of cancer therapy and antibodies, which I'll discuss later on. At the outset, I wish to make it clear that I will try to stay clear of any controversial issues and leave it to our eminent eminent scientists, virologists, immunologists, vaccinologists, and arthritis experts to make their combined decisions. For their combined knowledge ranks in South Africa undoubtedly amongst the best in the world. And I say there without any fear of contradiction. In addition, if my views contradict those of any of my learned colleagues in my profession, I apologize and assure you that it is not meant to be so. The field of immunology is so fraught with uncertainty at present that views vary on both sides. The objective of medical science is to try to find an environment of healthy discussion and find a middle ground of proven facts that satisfies the majority. And this I will try to do. 
So my first objective will be to try to explain to you the functioning of the basic elements of the immune system, how in the construction of our bodies, thousands and thousands of centuries ago, these components were put there by Hashem to protect us from disease, infection, tumors, and the like. These components are namely four. Number one, the antibody. Number two, the antigen. Number three, the definition of herd immunity. And number four, the very important autoimmune reactions, where the body, for some unknown reason, can turn around and the antibody can start destroying normal tissues. Those are the four components that I will first define and then discuss the basic conditions that are related to them. First of all, the antibody. Where does the antibody come from? It is a protective protein, also known as immunoglobulin, which gets produced when an unwanted intruder, such as a virus or a bacteria, a vaccine stimulant enters the body, or when an unwanted intruder arises from within the body, for example, a tumor. These antigenic stimulations initiate the immune antibody response. And this consists of white blood cells in the blood maturing and dividing several times, and then they rupture, secreting millions millions upon millions of antibodies into the bloodstream. The antibodies have the ability, they are sticky, they are tiny, they're only visible under the electron microscope. They have the ability to, to trace the stimulating antigen, antigen and to go straight to it, encounter it, surround it in the case of viruses or bacteria, and completely obliterated, kill it from the body. That is what they do. Most of the antibody production is initiated in the bone marrow. Secondly, the antigen. The antigen is any stimulant that either advertently or inadvertently enters the body to stimulate antibody to production or arises within the body to stimulate antibody production. This antibody production, it is important to emphasize, may go on for days in the case of a common cold. It may go on for weeks. It may go on for months. It may go on for years, or it may go on for life. In the case of the smallpox vaccine, antibody production goes on for life and we've obliterated smallpox. The aim in, in and even provide immunity for life, as I've said, in the case of vaccines being used as antigenic stimuli, the aim is to build up a storage of high antibodies so that when the unwanted intruder enters the body, it will be encountered and removed. And yes, as I've mentioned, in the case of smallpox vaccine, a vaccine is produced that provides smallpox immunity for life. One, however, has not been so fortunate with the other essential vaccines, such as polio, measles, 
and tuberculosis. Every couple of months or couple of years, resistant forms of polio arise, resistant forms of measles arise, and we have to revaccinate. And this is a good thing because we've obliterated a killer disease, a paralytic disease that affected millions and millions of people. With all the introducing antigens, various variants may arise and mutations may occur. And this is what we're seeing at present happening. And we need to produce modified vaccines to deal with the mutations of the virus that occurs. That has been present world thinking as far as the vaccines are concerned. What is herd immunity? Herd immunity, the third point, is the best type of immunity that can possibly occur. It's herd immunity that is provided by Hashem and has been provided for thousands and thousands of years, long before any of these things came along. It means when you get the disease, let's say, let's take the example of chickenpox. In our days, when we were little children, our mothers, Alva Shalom, and our grandmothers took us to children with chickenpox in order to give us chickenpox, so that when we had chickenpox, we produced antibodies to chickenpox and were immune for life. The same story does not hold true today. And I'll come to the discussion of antibody versus antibody probably in the second discussion. But that is a typical example of herd immunity. Now, how you're listening, you're listening to 101 Point High FM. We are talking to Dr. Kassel and we are getting a great education on what immunity means, what our antibodies, our antigens. If you'd like to join the conversation, 34519 is our SMS line, 061-895-1019, our telegram number. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. We're in discussion with Dr. Kassel, Fagy, myself. We are talking about um, immunity and how our immune system works. So we have basically four components, doctor, that you mentioned. We've got the antibody, the antigen. We've got vaccines that can, I, I, I wouldn't use the word artificially stimulate, but they do stimulate our immune system. And then we've got herd immunity. Yes, well, to go on with herd immunity, this is the best type of immunity that one can develop from a natural infection. It is, it is a state of immunity that exists when a combination of antibodies acquired by natural infection alone or by natural infection plus the introduction of vaccines is responsible for at least 80% of the population being protected against the disease. And this, of course, was applied by our eminent scientists all over the world. They decided that waiting for herd immunity with COVID-19 would not be sufficient. That immunity had to be boosted urgently, had to be boosted quickly. And therefore, they developed a vaccine to augment the natural antibodies. But when you study the statistics in South Africa, 45% of the South African population, if I'm correct, has been immunized against COVID. 
South Africa was one of the first countries to achieve herd immunity. America is still struggling. China is certainly struggling. South Africa is not struggling due to the brilliance of our scientists. Herd immunity has been achieved in over 80 to 90% of the cases in South Africa. And why, is it, why has that occurred? If 45% have been vaccinated and 90% are herd immune, the other 55% must have got immune some way. They got immune by natural infection, Hashem's way. And this is the way that immunity is best achieved. We are not arguing against vaccination. Vaccinations, as Dr. Kossel has always said, should be used when your life is threatened, not for any piffling condition that you might suddenly decide to vaccinate somebody against. That's not the, the means to use vaccination. Use it for the life-threatening diseases, and COVID was certainly a life-threatening disease. Use it to crush the pandemic that was used for that. It saved millions and millions and millions of lives. But there's got to be balance. Everything comes with a price. And you've got to know when to stop using it. Already, there are three different types of coronavirus living quite happily inside us. The fourth one, COVID-19, is also trying to find its resting place inside us. It's looking for a host to rest in. We'll probably never eliminate COVID from our bodies, just like we haven't eliminated all the other viruses. But the whole key is to know when to create the balance. And I'm coming to that in my second program. So the definition of herd immunity is the definition of a pandemic is changed to an endemic and finally the disease is properly controlled. Of is, course, is, as, sorry, as, doctor, is that is that just measured by the statistics of the health department that they go and see now, like, like we saw in South Africa, that there was a large rise in, 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 in COVID cases, but there wasn't hospitalization and death. Is that where they measured that we're now 80 to 90%, we've got herd immunity in South Africa? Is that how it works? Like, how do you measure herd immunity? Uh, it works. Again, I didn't mean this program to get into a discussion on COVID, but I'll answer your question. COVID started off in a very virulent form. It was killing people right and left, the alpha, the beta, the beta, delta, the theta. And finally, COVID has now settled into something that is nothing more uh, sinister than the ordinary winter flu. It's called Omicron. So I don't know that it's the correct thing now to run around immunizing the entire population. It's not right. my opinion. I'll go by what the scientists say, but, uh, but what I'm saying is, how 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 did how do we say the statement South Africa's got eighty percent herd immunity? Is that because of the statistic that you know so many yes, people have got it? Shows that our cases have come down to such an extent, and the deaths, more importantly, the deaths have almost decreased to single figures. That shows that we have herd immunity. It's not the first case of herd immunity. Herd immunity occurred in the polio outbreaks in 1947, 
the people who got polio uh, were the uh, were the very well affluent, well advantaged people living in the affluent suburbs. They got polio and they got uh, and they got uh, paralytic polio. The ordinary population that weren't as fortunate developed herd immunity, and they were completely free of any severe forms of polio or polio disease. A lot of them, some of them got it, but most of them didn't get it. So herd immunity is primarily a natural immunity that Hashem meant us to acquire. But this immunity obviously is not enough with the major epidemics that are occurring today. And that is why herd immunity is defined as immunity acquired by natural antibody production by the bone marrow and by acquired antiproduction by the introduction of vaccines. And nobody argues against that. What you're saying, Dr. Kassel, is that anything foreign coming into our bodies, our body wants to fight it. And it depends on our immune system, whether, whether it has that ability to fight it. Yeah, it depends on the immune system's ability to recognize the foreign agent. And remember, the foreign agent isn't only a virus or a bacteria. The foreign agent is anything that doesn't belong in the body, a poison, a toxin, a medicine that may produce an abnormal antibody response. As we, we're not moving too far away now, when Faggy's own family, this, such a situation existed. So, you know, it's, it, it's any foreign substance that doesn't belong in the body, and the body doesn't recognize it as belonging there, that the body reacts against with antibodies to destroy it. That's what happens. So one of the biggest problems also would be obviously artificial, anything artificial or anything, let's say, man-made or produced. It could be, like you say, in a chemical, uh, in a home chemical that comes into your body that your body tries to attack it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not only viruses and bacteria. Absolutely. I think, I think that this point has to be stressed because... Today, we have such a scourge of what we, we put under the umbrella of autoimmune disease, right? And that is your body attacking. And most people, like when they do think about the immune system, they're only thinking viruses and bacteria. But it could be artificial food. It could be chemicals and pollutants. It can be Absolutely. the air that you're breathing. It, it could be anything that, as you said, the body's saying, hey, but this is it doesn't belong here. It doesn't belong here. And even more interestingly now, in the case, and I'm deviating a bit, but it will be interesting for the listeners. In the case of malignancies in cancers, the malignancy, the cancer that arises in the body is a foreign body. It is something that doesn't belong there. And the marrow, Hashem's bone marrow, actually recognizes this and produces what is today known as an anti-tumor vaccine. Your own body produces it. In a recent, no, not, not so recent, it's years ago, a study done on postmortems in England in people over the age of 90 that had passed away from accidental causes, no known disease. They found that in these cases, when they examined the organs, they found multitudes of little cancers in all the organs, the breast, the prostate, the pancreas, the spleen, the liver, the lungs, 
Why weren't these cancers spreading? Because the body was producing an anti-tumor vaccine. The body still produces an anti-tumor vaccine. It's only when this anti-tumor vaccine becomes depleted and the antibodies can no longer destroy the cancer that the cancer starts to spread. I, re I, I read a very interesting um, statistic um, of, 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 a, of a, a doctor that I follow on social media. Um, she went and said that only 5 to 10% of cancers are genetic, right? That there's a genetic component to it. So 90%, 80% of all cancers, all other cancers, are produced because of what we're doing to our bodies on, on a daily basis and allowing things to, you know, to, to affect it. And if nobody else remembers anything from this, remember good old Israel, where all these hated Jews are doing scientific research. And remember that the, can the treatment of cancer therapy by from our oncologists, and our oncologists are also using it now, used to be surgery. It still is surgery. It still is radiotherapy. It still is oncology, the giving of toxic cellular drugs. But Israel has now developed the anti-tumor vaccine in the form of antibody. And what have they done? They've, in the case of the BRCA gene in breast cancer, and in the case of some cases of pancreatic cancer in Ashkenazi Jews, they've synthesized the antibody to that tumor. And all of a sudden, stage threes and stage fours breast cancers at the Sheba Center in Tel Aviv are being given concentrated anti-tumor antibody, and the cancers are disappearing. They're being eaten up by the vaccine. And this is a, uh, this is a, a tremendous advance in cancer. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to be attacked by the oncologist down, because I've said on this program that surgery is useless, radiotherapy is useless, oncology is useless. I haven't said that at all. I've said that an, as, as an adjunct to these forms of therapy, if you use antibody therapy, you'll get a big surprise. I know of one or two cases in South Africa that are today living where they'd be stone dead because of being administered with antibody therapy. And that is- Would it be considered like something similar to stem cell research? The stem cells that people use to recreate yes. things? Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Dr. Kassel, I once had a discussion with you about um, the immune system, and I said to you, well, what happens if a, if, if a person's born with a low immune system? And your comment to me was, no one is born with a low immune system. It's what we do to ourselves that the immune system goes low. No, people can be born with a low immune system. Sorry if I misled you. Oh, you could see, be I misunderstood. You have three types of immune, four types of immunoglobulins immunoglobulin G, immunoglobulin A, immunoglobulin M, immunoglobulin E. And you can be born with a congenital defect of immunoglobulin G or immunoglobulin A. It is rare. Most of the immune defects are acquired where you knock out your immunoglobulins. We'll come to it in the second program. We'll discuss the factors that can but you can be born with a congenital deficiency of immunoglobulin G or immunoglobulin A, in which case you're in a sad predicament because you're just susceptible to everything. 
Your body can't react and it can't produce antibodies. But let's get on with the talk, because otherwise we won't finish. So even though herd immunity acquired naturally and augmented by vaccination is probably the best form of immunity that we can today achieve, in the faces of a severe killer, academic, uh, killer pandemic, we had to use all the facilities that are available to us, and that is what we did. Fourthly, the autoimmune disease response. And this is the most important thing of what I'm going to say to you today. Unfortunately, everything comes with a price. And the term autoimmune disease is a term used to describe diseases in which the body, in trying to defend itself with antibody against the infecting antigen, manages to produce an antibody which doesn't only attack the antigen, but attacks healthy tissues as well. And this is the crux of the matter. This has led to what is described as autoimmune disease. This is a concept that was described by a man called Damashek when I started medicine in 1955. Damashek got the Nobel Prize in medicine for discussing the autoimmune reaction, the autoimmune syndrome. Let me explain. There are several of the most important diseases in medicine that are autoimmune, where the body eventually, for some obscure reason, starts destroying itself. Rheumatic fever was the prime example. This was caused when a germ called the Streptococcus Lonsfield Group A, and remember, don't get a fright here, there are millions of Streptococcus in our throat. I'm talking about the Streptococcus Lonsfield Group A, which has largely been eradicated completely from the earth today. Antibody gets produced to this, but unfortunately the antibody doesn't only attack the streptococcus, but also attacks the heart valves and heart muscle and even the central nervous system, causing the disease, rheumatic endocarditis, rheumatic myocarditis and chorea, described loosely as rheumatic fever. Today with prophylactic penicillin, and the early recognition of this dangerous streptococcus, we have almost eradicated the disease. And I cannot recall an acute case of rheumatic fever in my last 10 years of practice in medicine in a child. But unfortunately, the same cannot be said for the next six conditions, the next six autoimmune conditions I'm going to describe. Top of the list comes acute nephritis and acute nephrosis. Again, when the infecting organism, the streptococcus, enters usually via the throat, it causes an antibody reaction, but the antibody in some cases doesn't only attack the streptococcus, it starts to attack the lining of the kidney, the membrane of the kidney, the filtering mechanism of the kidney, and then you have the condition called nephritis or nephrosis. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a survivor of a child of minimal change nephrotic syndrome, which was exactly that. And really yeah. at the end, um, and I've, I know I've discussed this with you personally, but it's, I'm, I'm happy to share with the listeners 
my son got exactly that. He got throat infections and eventually he landed up with, with his kidneys. And it, it, it was a nightmare for a year and a half until eventually I found a, a doctor who said to me, the, the, the cause of all of it is your son is allergic to milk. And I actually thought he was, really? he was off the wall. I said to him, you know, like I've got, I've got a medical background. I understand science. I understand, you know, procedure. Don't tell me milk has caused my son to have an autoimmune disease. And honestly, he was right. And by the age of three, by listening to this doctor and taking away that which entered his body that caused the autoimmune, that caused then what happened, he's cured of an incurable disease. It's an incurable yeah. disease in the medical books. And it's just absolutely fascinating. We have a, uh, a listener here that says, this is a really interesting discussion. And I, I agree too. If you'd like to join the discussion, it's 34519 or 061-895-1019. We'll be back shortly. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Okay, we've discussed the first two um, autoimmune diseases. Doctor, what's the third? The third one is purpura, bruising, called thrombocytopenic purpura. The word idiopathic is attached because we don't know the infecting agent that stimulates the antibody production. But we do know that abnormal antibody response is initiated and the antibody attacks the normal clotting cells or platelets, destroying them. But fortunately, in 85% of cases, this is self-limiting and goes over. The disease subsides. In 15% of cases, it may become subacute or chronic. The fourth condition, autoimmune hemolytic anemia. It's called autoimmune hemolytic anemia. Because all of a sudden, an infecting agent or whatever it is, an agent arising in the body causes an errant antibody. And the resultant antibody doesn't only attack the agent, the offending antigen, but goes off and destroys red blood cells, causing a very severe anemia. Number five, arthritis. Here I wish to clarify my remarks because the rheumatologist will be after me. Because arthritis may be due to multiple factors. And it's not only errant antibody, but errant antibody is one of the undoubted causes that worsen the problem. And of course, the various foods that cause arthritis can also act as and produce errant antibodies. This is how they work. They give you a list of five foods that can cause arthritis. Believe me, those foods are causing errant antibodies. The final one, number six, skin rashes. The classic rash that occurs in an autoimmune response is the rash in the butterfly area of the face where the person gets this rash And again, the exact antigen has not been pinpointed. But this abnormal skin reaction may spread over into a very much more serious antibody reaction called the Stevens-Johnson syndrome, where the membranes of the body are attacked, the mucous membranes, the tongue, the mouth, the teeth, the vagina, all these areas. And of course, this may lead to death unless it's controlled. So yes, it was left to Damashek to say that, that if you had acute nephritis, 
purpura, hemolytic anemia, arthritis, and skin rash, you then had a potentially very serious condition of autoimmune breakdown. And this condition he named lupus erythematosus. That's what lupus erythematosus is. It's a breakdown of the immune system in which the immune system loses the ability to produce a normal antibody that's just directed against the offending antigen, but also produces an antibody that flies off and attacks tissues. And when all the tissues are attacked, you've got an autoimmune breakdown. That's lupus erythematosus. So yes, you asked me how you control this condition. Well, the only way, and I might be wrong now because I've left medicine, I've only read, uh, but I've left medicine for two years. But when I left medicine, left uh, active medicine, lupus was still being treated with steroids and cytotoxic agents steroids to get them into remission and to try to keep them in remission. The same with arthritis. But steroids are a two-edged sword because the best way of, of knocking out antibody response is by giving cortisone. And this I wish some of our esteemed colleagues would realize that the use of cortisone is good and it's bad. It's good in the sense that it alleviates spasms, asthma, all sorts of things but it's bad in the sense that it knocks out your antibodies and you become more and more susceptible to infection. So I'm looking at the time. In the, I would like to conclude this particular talk here and explain to you what I presume to do in the next talk. I wish to emphasize that we have shown the beneficial effects of the body's immune system in protecting us from disease. This has undoubtedly been augmented by vaccines since the introduction of the, uh, of the smallpox vaccine. And, provide, and by providing full and prominent herd immunity as quickly as possible, we can bring pandemics under control as we have done. But full immunity sometimes comes with a price. And of course, this is where the big dispute enters at the moment. Vaccines undoubtedly have their place in inventing immunity. There is no doubt about this. But in my next talk, I will try to outline for you the good antigen versus the bad antigen and the good antibody versus the bad antibody. So ponder what you're likely to hear and draw your own conclusions. Never forget to rely ultimately on the tremendous expert knowledge that we have in South Africa. Thank you. Thank you. I think I think that 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 you know what I kind of like have got from your talk and 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 again emphasized in in certainly my personal lives and that which we should be sharing with the listeners is that our bodies have such an innate understanding of what is good for us and what is bad for us. And I think that as a population, as, as a society, because of just the way things have developed into the 21st century, we have, we have abused our bodies. We've stopped listening to our bodies. You know, I keep on, on, on saying to my kids all the time when, you know, somebody says, I have a headache. 
I'm saying, yeah, I hear you have a headache and it's good to take two Panado, you know, and if it goes away. But if a headache is persisting, it's telling you that there's something wrong in the body. Your body is talking to you and ask the question why and try to go back and see what's going on. And I think that's a lot to do with autoimmune. Today, we are dealing a lot with with the, the symptoms of autoimmune and we've got like a barrage of pharmaceutical and other interventions that can help us to, to douse out the fire of, of what the autoimmune disease is bringing to us, but we're never asking us, why did we develop it in the first place? And I think that that's such a powerful question to ask. What wise words, Adel. If only there were people that would be prepared to listen to you. It's very wise words. And if I can add to that quickly also is that I think that autoimmune diseases are very underdiagnosed. You know, even let's say in our case with the Stevens Johnsons, it's not something that was so simply quickly diagnosed until you came into the picture, Dr. Kussel. Um, you know, people are walking around with Hashimoto's for years and years on end, 10 to 15 years until they find someone that can diagnose the Hashimoto's. And the one beautiful thing about autoimmunity before we go into an ad break is that people also have to understand that it can either be put into remission or reversed in healthy ways with the correct knowledge. Let's Absolutely. go for that break and we'll allow Dr. Kussel to give his closing remarks. This is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kasulski and Fagy Stern. Dr. Kassel, a couple of minutes left. What are your closing remarks on... The closing remarks are a few wise sayings I've learned in my just on 60 years of practice. The first one was at my graduation ceremony. At our graduation ceremony with the late Professor Gerald Schollen, he entitled his address to us, the emerging doctors of that year, 1960, The Art of Medicine is knowing when not to prescribe. That's of medicine. You're not a crank or a, a witch doctor or a homeopath or whatever. A homeopath is a very good type of medicine. Uh, the art of medicine is knowing when not to prescribe. And if only that message would ring a bell in some people's heads, that would be uh, a talk well delivered. Well, I think indeed it, it, this has been a, 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 a talk well delivered and was always, we so appreciate your timeless wisdom and your ability to look beyond, you know, just what we see to give us the understanding of, you know, how, how we function. So we are definitely going to have you back on with part two of autoimmunity. And I think it is, it really there's a lot to discuss about it. And we always welcome your feedback. If you'd like to join a WhatsApp group that Fagi and I um, uh, run, it's not spammed, it's only run by admin. We just drop a healthy thought every single day, just helping you along your way to provide back, to give back to yourselves, your health. Um, you can join us, you can send an email to info at chaifm.com, give us your uh, name, give us your cell phone number, and we will gladly join you on. And sadly, our time together has come to an end. Thank you, Dr. Kassel, and thank you, Fagi, for joining me today. As always, it's a pleasure being thank on you, with you. Thank, thank you, Dr. Kassel. Thank you for joining well, us. This is 101.9 High FM.